Soulmates, thank you so much for joining the conversation. As you can imagine, plenty to discuss on this Tuesday. I want to welcome you to Fox Soul's Black Report. We're following stories from across the country, including the black man who was arrested while driving his white grandmother. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte, plus the textbooks that are trying to erase the race of Rosa Parks are the stories that impact our people. We're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into our top conversation for today, taking us to Manhattan. The district attorney, Alvin Bragg, reassures his staff that they won't be intimidated as they approach a decision on charging former President Donald Trump. Now, the law enforcement officials in New York City prepare for protests and violence if Trump is arrested as credible threats are being monitored. Trump has accused Bragg the first black district attorney in Manhattan of being, quote, soft on crime and taking orders from billionaire Democratic donor George Soros. The investigation into Trump is still ongoing and there is no time frame for a decision on charging him. Now, Bragg has not commented publicly on the investigation or Trump's inflammatory comments. Republican House chairmen are requesting testimony from Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg ahead of his possible prosecution of former President Trump in connection with hush money payments made before the 2016 election. This comes after Trump claimed that he could be arrested and asked his supporters to prepare to protest on his behalf. The GOP lawmakers cited Trump's bid for the 2024 presidential election in asking for documents about the probe. Democrats expressed concerns about the GOP interfering with the investigation and called it an abuse of power. And Trump's lawyers want a judge to throw out the final report and evidence from a grand jury investigation in Georgia that looked into attempts by Trump and his allies to overturn the 2020 election, as you may remember. Now, they also want the district attorney's office disqualified from overseeing the investigation. This is Trump's first attempt to intervene in the long running investigation, and it shows the aggressive approach his lawyers are likely to take. Now, no one has been charged yet, but the district attorney's office is considering bringing racketeering and conspiracy charges. Trump's lawyers are objecting to many aspects of this investigation, including interviews by the grand jury foreperson and media interviews by the district attorney. And here to join us to discuss more about what future the future of Donald Trump could look like if arrested and brought to justice, we welcome attorney Gerald Griggs, president of the Georgia State NAACP. Thanks so much for being here on Fox Souls Black Report. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Indeed, we thank you for your time. So let's start with the, the man of the hour, if you will, Donald Trump, who has two cases uh, with possible indictments in Georgia and, of course, uh, in New York as well. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, these two cases, maybe the differences, the similarities, and what do you think uh, the outcome may be? Well, you know, both of the cases are, are different. One is about hush money payments to an alleged escort uh, porn star, Stormy Daniels. Mm -hmm. And the other one is about uh, potential uh, election interference in Georgia with a phone call into Georgia asking the Secretary of State to find votes. So they are distinctly different and they're in different postures. 
here in Atlanta, uh, the Fulton County District Attorney uh, has convened a special grand jury to look into the phone call and to look into possible racketeering charges. And up in Manhattan, the district attorney is investigating uh, these uh, payments to Stormy Daniels through uh, the previous attorney for the president of the United States. So they're definitely different. And I think the outcome will be an indictment in both cases. Mm. I do believe that the Fulton County District Attorney has a stronger case. Of course, you have at least now three phone calls. We knew, initially knew about two phone calls, but now three phone calls to different political figures in Georgia to try to change the outcome of the election. With regard to the Stormy Daniels case, it may be a little bit different, uh, difficult to prove that case, uh, but I think that the district attorney in Fulton County will be uh, uh, will be able to get a, an indictment and then ultimately be able to get a conviction uh, because we've all heard the phone call. Yeah. Mr. Griggs, why do you think Trump jumped the gun about a possible indictment happening today? What, what, what incentive did he have to get out early uh, with his narrative? I think what Mr. Trump is trying to do is control the narrative, and he's used to being in media settings where he can set the tone. In a court of law, it does not matter what he thinks. It's about what the prosecution can prove against him. And I think his own words will be used against him to prove the case in Fulton County. But I think Mr. Trump, uh, against the advice of his attorneys, because I'm sure the attorneys told him not to say anything, jumped the gun, tried to get out in front of the narrative, tried to get his uh, side of the story out there, but he has to understand that this is a court process and the court process will not be intimidated by media statements or social media posts. Yeah, he has definitely uh, created more of a mess, if you will. House Republicans are starting to try to discredit D.A. Braggs, you know, going as far as requesting that he testify on Capitol Hill. Is this a part of the normal process or are they being who they who they are, if you will? I think this uh, crosses the line and I, I think mm. that more people need to speak out against this. There are three co-equal branches in the United States. The judicial branch should be solely apart from the political fray and be allowed to run its process to subpoena a district attorney to give testimony about an ongoing investigation with potential criminal charges could reach the level of obstruction. Uh, so I think that legislators need to be very careful when wading into the judicial process. And I think it's a bad decision to subpoena the lead prosecutor while there's an ongoing judicial matter that could lead to charges. If you cross the line, like some may have in Georgia, you may find yourself indicted as well. Mr. Griggs, Georgia prosecutors are considering racketeering and conspiracy charges against Trump. I know you've been monitoring this case really closely as the president of the Georgia NAACP. Can you give us some insight on how this case has impacted black voters, election workers, and District Attorney Fannie Willis? Yeah, I mean, this case impacted Georgia. You know, we had the greatest uh, turnout in, in Georgia history with the 2020 election, and then there started the election, election denying and, and the trying to cast doubt on the millions upon millions of African-Americans and others that voted in this election. So you've had uh, people call into the state. You've had protests in the state. You have uh, an attempt to overturn the election in the state. So it has impacted a lot of people in Georgia, but particularly African-Americans, because of the robust turnout. And we are very interested in this case because it seems to be a separate and distinct criminal process for the president of the United States. I myself am a criminal defense attorney, I've been doing it for 20 years. I've never seen an individual be able to be signaled that a RICO indictment may be coming. 
I was a part of the Atlanta Public Schools cheating scandal trial, Georgia's longest trial, which is a RICO indictment. Those teachers got no advance notice. They were indicted. Uh, they had to turn themselves in and they had to go through the process. I would expect the same um, judicial system for all individuals and not this signaling that we may do this, we may do that. You know, Georgia uh, has a robust criminal justice system. Um, they have grand juries that are impaneled every single day in all 159 counties, especially in Fulton County. It could have gone through the regular process, a regular grand jury. He could have already been indicted and he could be facing arraignment and a trial. So I'm concerned about how this case is moving. Uh, and I think it's creating more problems than solutions that it's solving. Yeah, talk a little bit about, you know, over the years, I'd love to get your insight on how do you think or why do you think the tide has turned? You know, there was a while when President Trump seemed to be untouchable. Uh, you know, we've all been through that that process. Why now? Why do you think that now he might have to pay the piper? Well, I think the mistake that he made was calling into Georgia. You know, Georgia's always been a, a law and order state. And so when you break the law in Georgia, which he allegedly has done, mm -hmm. uh, you can expect swift responses from Georgia. I think other places, it, it was less clear some of the uh, conduct that he had participated in. Uh, but I think in Georgia, with the phone call that the entire world heard, there were at least two uh, Georgia codes that he violated with, with regard to conspiracy to commit election fraud and solicitation of election fraud. So I think that's the difference. And I think you have prosecutors in this state uh, that take the law very seriously. Fonnie Willis is one of them. She's been a, 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 a compadre, a comrade for a long time. She's very serious about prosecuting crimes in Fulton County. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's no different here. She's going to follow the law. She's going to follow the facts. And I think if she follows the law and the facts, you will see this uh, former president indicted and a trial in Georgia where he will have all of his due process rights. He will have an opportunity to present his side of the case. And then 12 citizens from Fulton County will make a decision on whether he violated the law. But I think the tide turned when he called into Georgia. Hmm. Mr. Greg, speaking of the tide turning, just, you know, before we go, I just want to ask you, lots been written about, you know, what happens, you know, if he's indicted or if he's not indicted politically, you know, does an indictment help or hurt Republicans as we enter in the 2024 election cycle? Just from your vantage point, what do you say? I'm not sure. You know, I'm an attorney. I don't really deal with the political uh, blowback on this, but I do know this. If he's indicted in Georgia, he needs to focus on Georgia and focus on a jury of 12 citizens and not his aspirations for being president again. Uh, because the Georgia judicial, judicial system is very serious and it should be taken very seriously. Uh, because if he's indicted, he will be facing a long amount of time in a Georgia prison. And you're not gonna be able to tweet or Facebook or do anything else other than serve that time. Hmm. Uh, so politically, maybe it benefits him if he's acquitted, but he needs to focus on become, being acquitted as opposed to running for, a, uh, for president. Our thanks mm. to Mr. Griggs, uh, the president of the Georgia State chapter of the NAACP, your official soulmate. And so please come back and update us on this case uh, as uh, more information comes out. I will. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, Miami Beach has declared a state of emergency and imposed a curfew following a weekend of deadly shootings. Mm. The curfew, effective from 11.59 p.m. through 6 a.m., will apply until 6 a.m. on Monday and from Thursday through Monday in the future. Restaurants can only operate for delivery, while hotels can serve guests. 
The measures come after one person died and another was injured in a shooting in South Beach on Friday night and another deadly shooting occurred in Miami Beach just early Sunday morning. Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gilbert said in a video message that the presence of numerous firearms and crowds has created a peril that cannot go unchecked. Yeah, they got to get it under control. You know, unfortunately for tourists who go down to, to those spots, you know, because they are hot, hot spots most times in other parts of the country, it's cold. You can get down to Miami and get some get some heat under that sun. It's unfortunate, but, you know, I understand them needing to take control, um, you know, get these streets in order so, you know, natives can, can go out and enjoy. Uh, those videos, if you've seen them, they're, they're pretty violent uh, and would cause one to worry. And I'm sure they wouldn't want to mess with those travel dollars and it's interesting in a state that seems to be you know just fine mm -hmm. you know with you know folks having their right to guns mm -hmm. on the street you have this mayor saying we got too many guns you got too many guns on the street that's creating you know a, a problem and you know what a time to have this problem especially during spring break while mm -hmm. a lot of people are frequenting uh, the area uh, you know, but uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if Governor DeSantis is paying attention to this. He seems to be uh, so busy on the anti-woke tip that he's not paying attention to one of the biggest uh, areas, most populated the areas tourism. in uh, Florida. Especially and so uh, I don't know. Somebody better run tell that to uh, Governor DeSantis. All right, let's go to Wisconsin. This city is called Wawotusa. I think I got that right. Uh, a black man claims he was wrongfully pulled over, handcuffed and placed in the back of a squad car at gunpoint by police officers during a traffic stop. This happened back in September of 2018. Now, the man's white grandmother, you see here, and her friend were also in the car during the incident. He filed a federal civil rights lawsuit, which is now being heard by a seven-person jury consisting of all white members. Defense attorneys argue that the traffic stop was necessary to investigate if a crime was being committed. While the plaintiff's attorney claims the officers violated his Fourth Amendment right, the trial is ongoing with the plaintiff and the former police chief expected to testify. Now, Courtney, hmm. when I read the story, I couldn't help but wonder, where does it say in the police training manual that you should pull somebody out of a car at gunpoint? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, we talk again and again and again about the need for de-escalation policies and de-escalation training. And in this area of Wisconsin, uh, based on initial reports, we don't see this police officer adhering to that training. Driving Miss Daisy came to mind. The only difference here is there's a relationship. This is his grandmother and uh, obviously a friend of the grandmother in the back. He was, you know, taking them somewhere. And for, you know, officers to just assume that a crime was being, you know, perpetrated here is uh, is pretty disgusting. And I'm hoping, uh, you know, the courts, it's all white jewelry there. I'm hoping the courts um, see fit to uh, give justice if necessary. Mm -hmm. And I don't even see how that's a jury of, of his peers, uh, an all white seven person jury. Mm -hmm. Don't know. But uh, I do know that a woman in Sacramento, California is seeking justice after being verbally abused and called a racial slur by two white men. Last Thursday, a video of the incident was shared on social media showing the woman being yelled at for parking on what she says she didn't know was their property. In the video, the men can be heard using the racial slur with one of them also calling her a stupid B word. The incident escalated into threats of violence and the tweet has since gone viral with more than 4,000 retweets. The woman has identified one of the men involved as Dorian Atkins. 
Yeah, well, I mean, this unfortunately is happening, you know, day in and day out. I think now it's the tail of the tape. You know, folks are pulling out, you know, their their phones to, to get evidence and proof. I'm hoping that uh, the woman who was, you know, violated uh, or discriminated against in this case uh, will do uh, what the other young man in Wisconsin is doing and, and take it to, to the law. And hopefully it plays out in, in her favor. There seems to be overwhelming proof. Uh, via this video, and uh, so we'll have to stick around to see what happens. And speaking of things playing out, I mean, this is exactly how violence escalates, mm -hmm. right? You know, there is a back and forth uh, that they had, and you know, then there was some discussion about about shooting uh, one another. That was a part of the exchange that they had, uh, and you know, too often we see so many of these relatively minor infractions go from zero to one hundred in like five seconds, and so. Um, you know, for all of our soulmates out there, you know, know that, you know, with the anti-blackness that's afoot out there, you know, sometimes it's not worth it because, you know, fussing with some of these folks, uh, it may lead to uh, uh, some serious danger to your life. All right, we're going to move on here. A model on OnlyFans in Florida is taking legal action against her ex-boyfriend, alleging that he posted sexually explicit content from her social media accounts without her permission. Now, the revenge porn lawsuit claims that Nicholas Hunter, who was in business with uh, Michaela Saravia, Saravia, excuse me, before they broke up, took control of her OnlyFans accounts and sold videos and photos of her. Uh, Saravia alleges that Hunter changed the past passwords on her accounts and posted graphic content from October 2022 through January 23. The lawsuit seeks damages of $6.3 billion. Now, that is equivalent to $10,000 each for each of her 628,000 Twitter followers at the time of their relationship ending. Hunter is also named in a civil domestic violence case involving Saravia. I mean, this sounds like a mess a whole mess. First of all, that is some very interesting math, how you get to $6 billion. 10,000 per follower. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, don't know if that, that's a little far-fetched, uh, but. It's very far-fetched, I think. But, you know, I think it's also important to note that this was a part of the business mm -hmm. model, right? At, when I first read this story, I thought that this was just, you know, everyday person, mm -hmm. you know, who may have had sort of a private OnlyFans, right, that their boyfriend got a hold of and engaged in that sort of revenge porn that we've, we've heard mm -hmm. about on an increasing basis. You know, but this was their business. They were in business together, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And he essentially did not surrender the passwords. And so, you know, this lawsuit to me seems to be a lawsuit over the control, one's control, you know, the, her control, her ability to be able to publish, you know, her videos, her photos as she sees fit. Oh, because she could be angry about the uh, breakup. It could be a bit frivolous. I hope they're not wasting the court's time because if it was a business, uh, it doesn't seem like there was any kind of revenge porn. You just don't know what has motivated the folks. So maybe the trial is best. Mm, maybe. Well, coming up, there's a major change, major change coming mm. to the Dollar Tree. Uh, yeah, you don't want to miss this one. Yeah, we'll tell you what you'll no longer be able to purchase inside of those stores very soon. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. A new study about the Department of Veteran Affairs shows that they disproportionately make it more difficult for black veterans to obtain benefits. 
The study is 2017's uh, internal report that shows that when it comes to benefits for PTSD, that only 43% of white veterans were denied for related benefits compared to 57% of black veterans who were denied. A lawsuit has since been filed against the Department of Veteran Affairs. You know, very sad. I've always felt like America doesn't do our best when it comes to the nurturing and the care of our soldiers, especially after they have, you know, done their duty. A lot of them come back wounded, whether it be physically, mentally, spiritually, and just the aftercare, in my opinion, has just lacked. And then to add insult to injury, you have this subset of black soldiers, and we know the history and the, and the, and the, um, the unfortunate circumstance of the black soldier, how, you know, you can be sent overseas to, to fight for freedoms and on behalf of America and then come back and be treated as if you you didn't matter or you weren't a citizen. So we're going to need some folks to, to tap into these numbers, take a look and redirect and really make this right, make good on this. And especially when it comes to something as serious as PTSD, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, the need to support our soldiers, our veterans, you know, with health care from the neck up and neck down. And oftentimes it's hard enough for them to navigate the VA system, mm-hmm. right? And so, and I wonder, you know, how much of that is the issue, right? That, that, that our black veterans are having added hurdles, added troubles in terms of navigating the VA system. And so, you know, we have a Secretary of Veterans Affairs there, right? I hope he and his people are reading the story and uh, uh, making it a little bit easier for our black veterans to access the benefits that they earned. Absolutely. All right, there are new changes to maternal health policies in states like Michigan that could save the lives of black women. The program is being called Momnibus. It's a combination of the terms mom and omnibus. Now the package would increase access to alternative birthing care throughout the state, such as birthing centers and midwives while addressing systemic racism to improve outcomes for black moms. Now, nationwide, black women die from pregnancy-related causes at a higher rate compared to white women. In Michigan specifically, the odds are three times more likely. Now, that's according to the latest data from Michigan's Maternal Mortality Surveillance Program. What a model for the nation. If Michigan is able to get this thing done, uh, I think it's going to spread like wildfire for all the right reasons across the country. You know, we we talk so much about uh, reproductive health and more narrowly we talk about abortion, but we don't talk enough about supporting Mm -hmm. the maternal health care of women across this country, particularly black women who are at an added risk. Native American women also at an added risk. And so um, it's good to see Michigan really leading by example. Uh, And for all the Republicans in the Michigan State House and the Michigan legislature, you know, that are, you know, uh, against abortion. This should be something that everybody should be able to get behind. How can we support, uh, you know, the, the, the women that, you know, are, are giving birth right now? How can we provide them with the maternal health care that they need and deserve? It's definitely a trickle out effect. We just talked last week and, and talked about a story where it is just based upon the stats. It is America is just a very dangerous place to give birth. We have have some of the highest mortality rates in the world. And that shouldn't be with us being a, a, a top tier uh, country. Uh, you know, we should be the example. And so you've got folks here in Michigan leading the way. And, and like you said, my hope is that it's a trickle out effect and people take note and this becomes top of mind mm-hmm. until we get those rates, in my opinion, not down, but just off the stats, uh, period. That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, when it comes to our health and well-being, sometimes things can get away from us. but. 
it's up to us to take control of our lives and to get our health on track. And that's exactly what one member of our Fox Soul family did, Alex Kimbrell, a king amongst kings, is one of our directors uh, here. And he was brave enough to share his health journey in hopes of helping some of our soulmates just like you. Take a look. Take Blackberry break, please, thank you. Behind the scenes at Fox 2, Alex Kimbrough has been calling the shots for more than three decades, but never like this. I look at the mirror and I, I see me, but yet I don't. I, I see a, a different person that I've never seen before. This is the person Alex is used to seeing. 25 years ago in a Fox 2 story, Alex describes his health struggles and his frustration with his weight, getting in the way of his goals, professional, and personal. Because my health continued to be a factor and it was all related to weight. I, mean, I used to walk, walk with a walker down the hall and I'm in my 50s and the only person I have to blame is me. That all changed in November of 2022 at Beaumont's Weight Control Center. Alex finally decides to have weight loss surgery, reluctantly. As they were wheeling me into the OR, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe I can get out of this. It's called gastric sleeve surgery. About 80% of the stomach is removed, leaving behind a sleeve-shaped stomach, forcing you to eat much smaller portions. For Alex, the results were immediate and shocking. I got out of the hospital, I was 369 pounds. I am now 229 pounds. I've lost 140 pounds. And I did it pretty much between six to eight weeks which is unprecedented. I don't know if you ever believed I would actually do it. I did not. And just because you have surgery doesn't mean you're done. Dr. Kirsten Zallison is as much a motivational coach as she is medical expert. Surgery isn't the cure, surgery is a big tool, and if you use the tool in conjunction with the lifestyle changes, it makes it easier to maintain the weight loss. Convincing Alex to go through with the bariatric surgery came easily for his wife, Roz, because she had the same surgery in February of last year. Now she knows exactly how to incorporate all the right protein and fiber into his meals. And as a breast cancer survivor, she's proud to be 75 pounds lighter. Now I have internal boundaries that say, you've gone too far. This was me and I was walking down the hall like this. Alex is now forced to buy all new clothes. And like his wardrobe, his health is a work in progress. He's learning to care for and love this new body. All my organs inside are happy, my heart's happy. And is Alex happy? Yes, <laughs> Alex is happy. And we are happy yeah. for Alex too. And Bravo. As, we, as, you, as you catch him walking down the hallway, yeah. he's starting to receive those compliments better. Like he's coming into this, yeah. this new way of being and existing. And it's absolutely fabulous. You see the smile on his face. You know, he, you know he's he beating you up and down the hallway. You know, there were times when, you know, his mobility was really compromised, but he's just zooming up. I mean, you have long hallways we here. We do, we do. And he is just zooming up and down these hallways. He looks absolutely fabulous. Fabulous and so happy for him. It's so great. Yeah. It's so great. I mean, you know, and, and so 
uh, generous of him to share his story with us. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a number of us have sort of caught flashes of him mm -hmm. throughout this transformation, sure. but but uh, that package really sort of puts all the pieces and together. And whoever is taking care of the archives, for them to go back and pop up 25 years ago, yeah. did you see that video? That, that was, was amazing. That amazing. Was really still great. got that nice little cute face, Alex. You still you still right. a good guy, still handsome. 140 Beautiful. pounds that's, lighter. That's wonderful. Nothing easy. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Uh, now the FDA has issued a recall on some frozen fruit products over hepatitis A contamination. Mm. The recall covers organic strawberries and tropical fruit blend from the Scenic Fruit Company. The tropical blend was sold at Trader Joe's across the country. The strawberries were sold at Costco and Aldi in 19 states. So far, the CDC says it's investigating a small outbreak of hepatitis A linked to the consumption of the fruit. All right, so if you've been shopping uh, at those stores and you purchased some frozen fruit and those labels look familiar, you might want to check your freezers and get rid of those things. You know, I'm allergic to strawberries, and so, you know, I don't got to worry about you that. Be? You're allergic to everything. <laughs> what is the problem? Well, not everything, just strawberries. Who's allergic to strawberries? Me. <laughs> They're the best ever, really. <laughs> they are. Yeah, but seriously, though, check those labels, yeah. especially if they look familiar. All right, let's move on to the price of eggs, about $10,000 a dozen. Uh, and that is something Dollar Tree can no longer keep up with. I mean, seriously, the company uh, selling most products for uh, about $1.25 will stop selling eggs at stores because they can't make money offering them at flat prices. Uh, the surge in prices is fueled by short supply caused by the deadly avian flu, high production costs and producers increasing their own profits as well. Now Dollar Tree says it will continue to carry eggs at its family dollar chains, which are a little bit more expensive than the Dollar Tree uh, mm -hmm. chains. I mean, you know, look, you can't get everything for a dollar. Yeah, this is true. This and, is true. And, and, you know, I mean, eggs are such a staple, yeah. you know, not just for breakfast, mm -hmm. but, you know, eggs are in everything, yeah. right? And so, you know, we can expect the price of a lot of other things to get higher because there are a lot of businesses that source mm -hmm. uh, their ingredients from a number of places, including the Dollar Tree. Are you allergic Tree. to eggs? I am not allergic <laughs> to eggs. <laughs> well, seriously, though, a lot of folks rely on, on Dollar Tree and Family Dollar, um, you know, for groceries or for lower-priced mm -hmm. um, items. And so, you know, this being off the shelves might really continue to put a dent, you know, in their budget and in, in their in, on their grocery list. So hopefully they can find some other alternatives. But this might be, a, a you know, detrimental to some people as we, you know, you know, make light of it, though. And especially you know, on the as, other side of the, yeah, of the concern. Yeah, and especially as Easter celebrations are right around the corner. Well, ain't nobody, shouldn't nobody be dying no eggs for Easter this year. The oh, eggs are too no. expensive to be, I don't know about that. Uh -huh. Unless you're going to use them, maybe chop them up in a chicken salad or potato salad or something. <laughs> but most times dyed eggs get wasted, but eggs are too expensive. I wouldn't even dye eggs uh -uh. this, this in, year. In this season, gonna... this is what we're going to do. What? We're going to dye the eggs, all right? And then when folks find the eggs, you got to turn the eggs back in, right? And we're going to use that egg for a good little egg salad, no. for a little potato salad, you, They're right? too expensive to dye, and they're too expensive for you to go hide them somewhere to know because you got to find you got to find each and every one of them that's right and speaking of, of shortages and too expensive uh go ahead mexican liquor officials are talking honey. that's right they are they are talking and they are warning about future supplies of tequila say it ain't so mm. the extremely dry weather over the past few years is starting to affect the nation's agave crop to Ooh. make matters worse Global demand for tequila is at an all-time high. Mm. So, 
Mm. We could be shelling out a little more for our favorite margaritas and shots in the near future. Oh my goodness, say it, say it ain't so, mm. right before Cinco de Mayo. Is that gonna affect you? Pretty, you are you a mojito, tequila? What else is in tequila? See, I don't do it hard, liquor I, side you, with you know, I, I enjoy a tequila. Mm -hmm. I, enjoy, I enjoy a tequila, uh, especially a mezcal uh, tequila from time to time. What is that? I'm really, I'm not a... It's, it's, it's a type of tequila. Oh. It has more of a smoky sort of flavor. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so eggs are getting more expensive. Tequila's getting mm. more expensive. Well, Taco Tuesday's just not going to be the same. You know, it, well, unless you do like me and get a virgin mojito. A, a who? A, the non-alcoholic. Oh. I can't handle it. It's just, it's just too strong. And even when you put a little splash in there, it just does. I can't handle it. So, uh -huh. so like, I wouldn't want the tequila prices to rise for those who frequent tequila, but it, it's not going to bother me. I can't do it. Well, I can't well, do it. And people, especially people who there. do the shots. Oh, it doesn't burn. It doesn't burn. I mean, well, but a lot of things burn going Ooh. down. Brown liquor burns going down. I don't do that either. Still ahead, removing the race of uh, Rosa Parks. This is a real serious issue. That's Might right. Pay attention that's to. That's right. That's right. Hmm. We'll tell you where publishers are trying to print. Uh, they're, they're trying to print a textbook that's altering the way that we teach important moments of history. Surprise, surprise. More on Foxhole's Black Report when we return. Welcome back to Fox Souls Black Report. The Florida Woke Act strikes again. Publishers are now being asked to remove any reference to civil rights leader Rosa Parks' race in Florida to comply with new state law. Now, according to reports, regulations now require that race relations be removed from the lesson in order to get a Florida committee's approval. The current lesson is issued by Studies Weekly. It is described as, quote, the law and said African-Americans had to give up their seats on the bus if a white person wanted to sit down. Yeah, an early version of this study was changed to she was told to move to a different seat because of her color, uh, the color of her skin. The latest version was corrected with race completely erased to read, quote, she was told to move to a different seat. Now, They're not gonna stop. Courtney, how They're is not this not stop. erasure of our history in plain view? We just reported earlier on this show about, you know, the situation in the Miami area mm -hmm. where, you know, there's a curfew that they're under right now. For some reason, Florida state legislature, legislators and the governor, you know, seem to turn a blind eye to that. And they seem to be uh, manufacturing this issue mm -hmm. uh, that we're the latest uh, uh, victim of this anti-woke hunt uh, is a trailblazing civil rights leader, Rosa Parks. So what we're gonna have to do as a culture is something that we've always done, is just make sure we're passing down these stories, you know, mouth to mouth, ear to ear, um, whether it be at, at uh, you know, family functions, you know, family reunion, I don't know, around the dinner table, you know, holiday gatherings, because, you know, while this fight is ongoing, you know, it appears as though we're not gonna be able to rely on, 
you know, the people who educate our children, you know, the people who we, you know, put into office to make sure that everybody gets a fair cut with just being equal, with everybody's story being told, with, with our history, you know, being considered a part of American history. So yeah, let's continue to fight, let's continue to, to raise up on them, you know, but at the same time, let's make sure as a culture, as a community, as families, as a village, we are making sure we pass these stories on. We're making sure we're keeping these stories alive, the real truth, especially in a city like Detroit where Rosa Parks lived. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've seen her walk down my, my good friend's steps because she was a part of their family. We have to make sure we keep these stories intact for us as we continue to fight. You're right. Well, Wells Fargo is giving a $50 million grant to the NAACP to help the organization continue its efforts to fight to achieve racial equality. The grant will help local organizations and help with the organization's plans to develop a new national headquarters. The grant will also help increase the organization's staff and sustain programs that will help promote the needs of the communities it serves. Derek Johnson, NAACP president and CEO, said, quote, we're grateful to Wells Fargo for their donation, the single largest donation the NAACP has ever received from a corporation. Well, you know, Wells Fargo has a lot of uh, making up to do, kissing up to do, mm -hmm. figuring out to do, redirecting. You know, they, they have not had the best uh, press uh, uh, when it comes to uh, bankers and their banking practices, in particular how it's affected people of color, black folks. And so, you know, uh, 50 is nice, but it's just a drop in the bucket in regards to the stress and uh, the discrimination and what they have caused uh, people based upon their practices. So thanks, but you, you know, you can't put a price tag on the damage, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I know, you know, Derek Johnson is a leader of integrity. Yeah, take the uh, money. But, 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 you know, I worry $50 million is a, that's a big gift. And so I just hope that there are uh, no strings, strings attached, attached or very little strings attached uh, because the NAACP has been really indispensable in the role that they've been uh, playing in the racial justice movement among so many other organizations. You know, but uh, $50 million from a single corporation, um, if this becomes sort of a recurring trend among our civil rights organizations, I worry if it may um, undercut uh, the potency and the power uh, of their work. And so uh, we'll be on the lookout for that. Today, for her story, we honor Angelica Nwandu, the founder of The Shade Room. Oh, The Shade Room first started as an Instagram-based media company focused on gossip back in March of 2014. The site has since branched out into covering politics and focusing on black culture news. It now has over 27 million subscribers across all flat, uh, platforms. Now, according to reports, The Shade Room is worth more than $100 million. So today we say happy anniversary to Angelica Nwandu and the Shade Room staff. Bravo, bravo. That's I mean, look, amazing. talk about making a way out of no way. Mm -hmm. I mean, just something that, you know, started off as a sort of small sort of yeah. little engine that could mm -hmm. go to site for news and entertainment is now worth over a hundred yeah. million dollars. And what I'm loving now is is the shift from just the gossipy gossipy. Like they do a TSR reports, like investigative reports, mm -hmm. and it is good. His, his name is Justin. I can't I think of his last name right now. But those reports are excellent. And they're like network and local 
local affiliate quality and the way he gets under the stories that the Shade Room posts about is excellent. I think that's what people are really starting to pick up on and appreciate. It's it's really good. It is really good, and yeah. especially at a time where we need more black media platforms, mm -hmm. not less. And so um, it's good to see that that reach is increasing and that mm -hmm. the quality uh, mm -hmm. of content is increasing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, investigative journalism is enormously important yeah. uh, and so it's good to see the shade room yeah. investing and, in that. and that these uh, these platforms are still are still happening I feel like this is maybe like the second generation I remember the first generation for me was like uh, media takeout oh, you yeah. know and then and then you had you know what we have now and uh, a lot of them are, are legit and really really um, becoming leaders in giving our culture the first and foremost in regards to information mm. and who they're going to for it well, up next, it's a family feud unlike any other. We're going to tell you all about it. It's the lawsuit between two of the most talented brothers in history. It's a whole bunch of brothers here. We'll tell you all about it. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. We welcome you back to Fox Soul's Black Report. NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal underwent successful hip replacement surgery over the weekend, putting his fans' worries to rest. That's right. He shared a picture on Twitter of himself laying on a hospital bed watching NBA on TNT. O'Neal aims to return to work on April 16th and joked about losing 30 pounds and coming back with an <laughs> eight pack. Hello, eight pack. He's on the 51 uh, diet, which involves five uh, BS meals and one real meal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Despite the surgery, O'Neal will continue performing as DJ Diesel oh, with gosh. shows at Encore Beach Club in Las Vegas and at a venue in Honolulu, Hawaii. I mean, he is just the, the, the NBA superstar who just, the gift that keeps giving. I mean, he's just amazing. It ain't nothing he won't endorse. You, you, in the commercial breaks, you're going to see about three or four uh, Shaq endorsed commercials. But his, his give, his give back game is so tight. Mm -hmm. You know, and I firmly believe, and I say this often, your getting is in your giving. And I feel like the more he gives, the more he, he's being blessed with to continue to give away. So it's good to see that he's on the mend. Yeah, and it's also another sign that like hip replacement surgery is becoming so very common, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you'd like to think that, you know, Shaquille O'Neal's probably in better shape than a lot of other people his age, even with the wear and tear of having been a professional athlete. But even folks like Shaq need hip replacement surgery. And the fact that he's going to be uh, out of that hospital bed mm -hmm. by April 16th is a testament to, you know, the technology that's being used for hip replacement mm -hmm. and you know how people are able to get out of that bed real quick yeah. and get back to doing uh, what they want to do. Yeah, you said you said it right, the wear and tear, and it even catches up with the best of them, mm -hmm. uh, that being these athletes here. All right, let's uh, move on to one of the best, the stallion, as in Megan, shares photos from uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's and Glamour's Women History Month brunch, uh, where women trailblazers across industries were highlighted. The three-time Grammy Award winner, Award winner wore a black skirt, you can see here, with blue accents and a matching sweater, while posing on the gated grounds. There she is during the brunch. Harris delivered a speech about the economic empowerment of women. This follows Megan's first red carpet appearance at the Vanity Fair's Oscar party last weekend. The rapper was styled by Law Roach in a figure-hugging black box uh, My Mermaid gown. Uh, the event marked the first time Megan had uh, been since uh, 
from her birthday photos that surfaced online last month. So this is the outfit from the White House, the other one I was describing from the Vanity Fair yeah. uh, red carpet. She but looks good. She looks amazing. She looks good. She looks she looks healthy and, you know, just in time for Women's History Month. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that you know there was a lot said about that uh, event at the vice president's residence mm -hmm. uh, and it was good to see sort of a mixed crowd it wasn't just sort of celebrity types it was activist types it was advocates uh, and uh, you know folks coming together to to support uh, each other in mm -hmm. different industries it yeah. was really uh, great to see the write-up on that well Rudolph Isley a member of the Isley Brothers is suing his younger brother, Ronald Isley, for trademark infringement. <laughs> Rudolph claims that Ronald applied for and received exclusive rights to use the Isley Brothers trademark for visual and audio recordings without his consent. The lawsuit states that the brothers have a 50-50 ownership agreement in the band since their brother's death in 1986. Now, Rudolph alleges that Ronald is taking all profits from the trademark for himself mm. and wants an accounting of how much money he's been making. Rudolph is seeking joint ownership of the trademark and half of the profits Ronald has made since obtaining it. Oh, Ronald, come <laughs> on, give the bros back the money. You know, slick kind of, a, it sounds a little, little slick-ish, but you know, there, there's a lot of those Isleys. Um, if, you, if you go back to the very beginning, it was, there was like six, and three of them started in the 50s as a doo-wop group. They're mm -hmm. out of uh, Cincinnati, an, an area right outside of Cincinnati. So like a total of eight altogether once they became the Isley Brothers, the, the big band of the 70s that we know. And then you throw in a couple of cousins. You remember Isley Jasper, Isley, I don't know mm -hmm. if you remember that or not. They were a couple of cousins. So just a very huge, rich family history and tradition when it comes to music. They have survived like six decades uh, of uh, time in the music industry. And for, you know, Ron to kind of pull it a little bit, it's like, come on, Uncle Ron, come on. Can't the boys just get along? I mean, yeah. you know, you're, you're brothers. You know, you're 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 in this together. And and look, sharing is caring. Mm -hmm. They gotta share more. That's in, that's right. Yeah. All right. Rapper Ludacris has hit uh, hand in several projects, and the launch of his Netflix animated series Karma's World is such a hit that it's expanding. The show's fourth season will premiere in September. But while you wait, Luda's media company has secured a license deal to bring uh, to young. Girls, the Karma's collection featuring satin pillowcases, curly kids, detangle spray, and satin line bonnets. The entire project is being spearheaded by Luda and his daughter, Karma. I mean, it's so good to see, you know, Luda and so many folks in hip hop mm -hmm. leaning into entrepreneurship uh, in some pretty dynamic ways. I mean, he's getting into the licensing world, which is a very lucrative He's an A-list uh, actor, world. I believe. You know, he's, he's acting, he's still producing music, he's still touring, mm -hmm. um, and he's just been a really great example of you know, how your artistry can evolve, mm -hmm. um, and more importantly, how you can monetize that artistry in so many different ways. Latifah, LL, mm -hmm. I mean, it goes on and on and on. 50, big, uh, uh, Sean, Puffy, Combs, uh, it goes on and on and on, so big ups to them. Yeah, well, Sean Lampkin, best recognized for playing bar owner Nipsey on the hit 1990 sitcom, Martin has died. The actor passed away on Wednesday, March 8th in his sleep. The cause of death is not currently known. Lampkin's death was confirmed by his friend, Marcel Watts, who shared the news on her Instagram. 
Lampkin appeared in 28 episodes of Martin between 1994 and 1997 and went on to have small parts in the films Life, Big Mama's House, and its sequel, uh, and Bad Boys 2. He also served as Martin Lawrence's executive assistant on a number of projects, including most recently the 2020 sequel to Bad Boys for Life. He was 54 years old. Yeah, and what I love about this story is, you know, it's it's it was a day one. It was the homeboy mm -hmm. who, as Martin Lawrence continued to blow up, he kept right right there by his side. And so, you know, hence him being involved in so many projects. He didn't even know he was getting the role. I think Martin, if I remember the story correctly, told him, hey, you're going to play this character, you know, on this show here. So it's a, it's a very sweet story, and it really just reflects, you know, that friendships can be real and you can maintain them even in the midst of, you know, one of your partners blowing up. We all know, you know, that Martin's one of the best to ever do it, especially when it comes to that sitcom. So real sad to uh, to hear this, but uh, he, he will definitely live on as we watch Martin every night. I love the reruns. I will march, watch Martin until the end. And so you see Nipsey every now and again on those episodes. And so his, his memory will stay, will stay intact for sure. And we'll all continue to enjoy those laughs That's and, right. and enjoy a good smile in mm -hmm. his honor. Mm -hmm. Well, there's still more to come right here on Foxhole's Black Report, including our favorite segment. That's right, you guessed it, Black Excellence. Yeah, we'll tell you all about the Black-owned chocolate that's going viral. We'll be right back here watching Foxo's Black Report. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. The city of Detroit is celebrating the opening of the first adult-use cannabis dispensary as a part of a social equity program designed to make sure that black residents are represented in the legal marijuana industry. That's right. Nuggets Cannabis is a black-owned family business that opened over the weekend with help from Detroit's adult-use cannabis ordinance that offers assistance and licenses to Detroit legacy applicants who are eligible if they are long-term residents who own at least 51% of the business. Low-income Detroiters and those with prior criminal cannabis convictions can also qualify uh, if they've lived in the city for more than a decade. That's right, a total of 19 of the 34 businesses are owned by Detroiters. They include 10 black men and seven black women. Now under the city's ordinance, half of the licenses will be issued to social equity applicants. I like the fact that, you know, it, it's they're, they're leveling the playing field, low-income residents and those who've had prior convictions can can are now clean, those mm -hmm. slaters wipe clean and they can be business owners themselves and I, I just like the forethought on this so everybody can uh, equally participate in this very lucrative industry. That's right. Legalized that's marijuana, right. that no, is. That's really good. An another model for the nation, that's perhaps. It. That's it. All right, Detroit. Uh, here we go. A viral TikTok food pre uh, reviewer uh, helps a black-owned chocolate brand sell out in minutes. Food reviewer Keith Lee is making it happen for black-owned businesses. That's right. Ella Livingston, the founder and owner of Coco Ashanti, can't thank Lee enough as her business growth is through the roof. Coco Ashanti is a high quality chocolate brand with roots tracing back to, that's right, you guessed it, Ghana, <laughs> that Lee shared with uh, his 11.2 million followers, which led to the chocolate products selling out, and get this, 
33 minutes. The food reviews by Lee have really put black owned businesses on the map. Earlier this year, he reviewed a small truck in Vegas called Southern Taste Seafood. And in less than 24 hours, the business raised $30,000. And this teacher here, she, well, this woman here who owned Chocolate Asante, she's a teacher. And she went back on TikTok to thank this young man. I don't know if they're gonna partner or not because she can now retire. Uh, from teaching. She says she was a little burnt out and now she can retire and focus solely on her business. I think she went from uh, making $194 to overnight making almost 25000 just wow. from his uh, review alone. Over 11 million, you know, TikTokers, followers, you know, as you can see, that has a huge impact. And the review was great too. I want to order some of the chocolates because a couple of them looked amazing. So... Well, there you go. Well, you know, I know a few people in Ghana, so, you know, we know our chocolate pretty well. So, I, you know, we, we got to do like a chocolate tasting, maybe pair it with some wine because you're more of a wine kind of girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. For today's stories and more, <laughs> I'm going to take you up on that. Access Fox Souls video on demand on any of our streaming partners like Samsung Plus TV, YouTube, Roku, plenty of them. Check out past shows and other Fox Soul content when you visit foxsoul.tv. And don't forget to download the Fox Soul app. It is absolutely free. All right. Well, that's all we have for you. We hope you all have enjoyed this uh, this program today. We'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicole Corte. Until next time, soulmates, you know what to do. Stay lifted.